Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. I'm solid to the great, never change. Me and my son, the rain, it gets wet when we hang. I'm solid, could touch the blue part of the flame. Welcome to Fire, the sports comedy podcast that has a high motor, small wingspan, and is a hummingbird. I'm your host, Adam Weiner, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, my high school bullies' biggest losers of the draft column, my high school bullies' biggest losers of the prom column, and exiting the transfer portal with an arm sticking out of my stomach and one eyeball missing. Big show today, the big leads, Liam McEwen joins me to talk about the NFL draft, but only the picks we hated. It's very clear we have no time for these people. But first, let's take a quick trip through the headlines. With the first pick in the 2022 NFL draft, the Jaguars selected Trayvon Walker. Who? Said the Jaguars personnel staff. The New York Giants pulled off the first round's biggest coup with Kayvon Thibodeau at 5 and Evan Neal at 7, which would not have been possible without Dave Gettleman's trade down, and I've been hit by a fleet of blow darts. Rams coach Sean McVay and GM Les Snead were caught laughing on camera about the Patriots' first-round offensive lineman out of Chattanooga, but joke's on them because a totally on-the-ball Bill Belichick followed up with some serious steals on day four. He still got his fastball, just needs a little spider tack. Mr. Irrelevant was Iowa State quarterback Brock Purdy, which Purdy had to pretend to enjoy. Yes, everybody call me that. (laughs) Deem my life meaningless, yes. Purdy owns the honor for now, but don't worry, by next year it'll belong to everyone the Texans drafted. The Georgia Bulldogs broke an all-time record with 15 players selected in this year's draft, and still, you know the 16th one was like, keep sleeping on me. Every day we grind to make that record 16 several decades from now, probably. I'm putting in work on my way too early 2023 mock draft, by the way. My first pick, an eighth grade boy. Yeah, I see big changes coming in next year's draft. I'm way early on this. Despite an injured groin, Angel star Shohei Otani still plans to pitch this week against the Red Sox, but cut to Tuesday night and all of a sudden it's, oh, I can't tonight, I have a headache. Tennessee reliever Ben Joyce threw the fastest pitch in college baseball history this weekend, cracking 105.5 miles per hour. That's the same speed A.J. Brown drove out of town at. Unfortunately, Joyce's curveball goes 48 miles per hour, and he's basically just throwing it high in the air so gravity takes it down. Just has no idea on the curveball. It's a shame because... The Cleveland Guardians announced Pride Night will take place on June 25th. Meanwhile, in the multiverse, the Cleveland I-Words announced the return of the Back the Blue Funyun Chugging Contest. Oh, right. The Tennessee Titans traded all-world wide receiver A.J. Brown to the Eagles, where he will get to experience the flavorful delight of a Hertz donut. 
Cardinals star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins tested positive for a banned substance and will be suspended for six games. Hopkins released a statement vowing to get to the bottom of why this couldn't have happened while he was still on the Texans. Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic slammed Wimbledon for their ban on Russian players, but I think it's a really effective way to make sure there's no war at Wimbledon. The NHL playoffs began this week, and there's nothing like playoff hockey, says the guy with the gray beard and whaler's hat who just bought your entire bachelorette party one IPA. And former Chicago Bears star Olin Kreutz was fired from his job with media startup CHGO after punching a fellow analyst in the face. Wow, talk about hard-hitting opinion. Ow, I've been stocked in the face by Olin Kreutz. Hurts, don't it? And now, with an NFL draft recap of only draft picks we do not like, please welcome the big leads, Liam McCune. Liam, thanks so much for joining me. Now, I have consumed a lot of post-draft podcasts this week, um, and frankly, I'm sick of them. I do not like them. I think far too many analysts get far too invested in the people that they've scouted pre-draft. They come on to these post-draft podcasts with 185 names that they like. They think everybody's a good fit somewhere. They think there are positives in every bad pick. They think that every team made nine mid-round steals, uh, when in reality, most of these people will never be heard from ever again. So you and I, this is a solemn vow. This is going to be a post-draft segment of only picks that we do not like. We don't like any of these picks. I don't like any of these players. It's an oops, all bad picks draft recap. So Liam, I want to give you the floor to start because I feel like your number one most hated pick and maybe most hated class is your personal favorite team, the New England Patriots. So thanks for coming on, knowing that you were going to start this by saying my own team is, is chief among the offenders here. Adam, I appreciate you having me on. I thrive in the negativity. I absolutely love it. And you would be correct to assume that my least favorite pick and my least favorite class both individually came from Bill Belichick going full galaxy brain, arguably even more so than he ever has in one individual draft. Obviously, Cole Strange at number 29 was the surprise pick of the draft that nobody likes. Literally nobody likes this. The only people who like this pick or who try to argue that this pick is good are doing it based off of the ever nebulous concept that the media doesn't know what they're talking about. That might be true, but when that's the only justification you have for picking a Tennessee-Chattanooga guard-center combo who most fans have not heard of, even if they've been reading every single mock draft that's come out since January, then you're in bad straits. Then you get to the rest of the Patriots draft, which is just full of guys who were reaches. You got Tyquan Thornton in the second round. They traded up to get him and that boy fast, but he's not really good at anything else. Marcus Thornton, cornerback. The Patriots needed some cornerback depth. They picked up a feisty guy, a great guy, and a guy who's also five foot eight. That's it. And then they just throw darts at the board for the I mean, geez, man. Bill Belichick, you know, obviously you have to trust the long-term track record here. He's earned the benefit of the doubt. Blah, 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 blah. These are typical excuses. They're excuses that you will hear coming out of my mouth in like two months when I talk myself <laughs> about this. And they will, be, they will be excuses that you'll hear coming out of everybody else's mouth when they talk about the Patriots draft class. It's just, there is, no, I mean, at the end of the day, most of his draft classes have at least one or two prospects who 
you, you get it. This entire draft was filled with picks you don't get. I think Sean McVay was right to belly laugh at a press conference when Strange went 29th, and this draft class for the Patriots is horrible. Do you think somebody told Bill Belichick to read one final mock draft, and he was like, draft a mock? Got it. Chattanooga mock Cole Strange. Done. Um, I think you, you, could, you can't start a podcast like this without talking about the Patriots class. Um, I, I Also, Jack Jones, the other cornerback they took, wasn't he like arrested for robbing a convenience store or whatever and ended up going from USC to JUCO to Arizona or whatnot? Like that's just another classic, uh, you know, Patriots taking a red flag guy. I think the, the one amendment to the intro to this podcast where I was like, everybody loves every pick or whatever. Uh, nobody loves the Cole strange pick like across all of these podcasts. Everybody's like, <laughs> even though, even though though on, on these podcasts, people are like, well, you know, I don't love the positioning. You know, I wouldn't have taken him in the first round, but I mocked him to the Patriots in the fourth round. Congrats to you. Um, but there's a reason you mocked him in the fourth round. I mean, cause you could probably select him in the fourth round. Like Sean McVay said, the genius Sean McVay. I think Jack Jones actually got arrested for trying to break into a waffle house or something along those lines. Mm. Like it was, it was like some sort of fast food restaurant situation and you love a red flag prospect, but you just can't pass him up when he's 25 years old coming out of college. It, <laughs> I, I completely understand how Bill Belichick was unable to resist that temptation. I don't think I even knew that. I, we all know the 25 year old in college, they were like on the soccer team and you were like a freshman and you were like, man, you should not be around women. And I guess that whenever Bill Belichick has a chance to add one of those guys to the locker room, it's something that you must do. Um, I'll, I'll steer away from the Patriots very briefly. Um, the pick that I maybe hated them. I mean, the pick I hated the most was Cole Strange. I'm not going to lie to you, but perhaps the pick I hated the second most, just because I feel like the discourse is wrong and we all just forgot about him is, is Trayvon Walker to the Jags. He, he becomes the consensus number one pick like a week before the draft probably. And then he gets selected and then everyone immediately agrees. I like the whole rest of the top 10 more like after the draft, where would you rank Trayvon Walker in terms of important draft picks? Like 17th, 21st. Like it feels like, you know, obviously the guys at the bottom of the first round are not more talented than Trayvon Walker. I would say like, you can't take Quay first, you can't take Kenny Pickett first or, or whatnot, but it did feel like the Jaguars immediately made the pick and everyone was like, all right, well, let's move on to the more interesting players. Like we just accepted that they took a boring fit at number one overall. We don't have to accept that though. We can call it out on a podcast. And it's funny that you say that we all moved on because that's literally what the broadcast did. They showed 30 seconds of Walker. I don't know what else, you know, what you or what our listeners are, or were watching on draft night, but on ESPN, they showed 30 seconds of Walker sitting there like he had not just been selected. I think it was either pre-recorded footage or he's, his family was watching an illegal stream that was like two full minutes behind the actual broadcast because he was just sitting there staring at the TV with like a little smile on his face like, yeah, I'm about to make millions of dollars. And then they just cut away. They showed maybe like five highlights and then they immediately moved on to Aiden Hutchinson. It's it, that is insane in of itself. I don't know if I've ever watched an NFL draft over the years where there has been that little fanfare on the actual broadcast about the number one overall pick. But then when you think about it, it makes sense because when you read about Trayvon Walker, the one thing that stands out in every single scouting report about him is that he is a tremendous run defender. And there is maybe nothing in football less exciting than a guy who's good at stopping the run on the edge who goes number one overall. 
And then you throw in the whole added aspect of this guy crashed into two parked cars somehow <laughs> hours before the draft. He escaped with no injury, which, you know, I'm not sure if I totally buy that. That might have been a little bit of PR work from his agent. But nevertheless, this guy crashed into two stationary cars hours before he picked number one overall by a team that is historically dysfunctional. People think that the pick might have been made specifically because the general manager doesn't like Jim Harbaugh. Like there's so many elements here that make this into like almost an Anthony Bennett type pick. And nobody's talking about it because it's kind of getting chalked up to Jaguars going to Jaguar. There was another great, like the Jaguars tweeted or Instagrammed a graphic after the pick where it was like Trevor Lawrence shaking hands with Trayvon Walker, like as if they would ever interact on the field. Like we got Trevor Lawrence's run stuffing edge help. Like, all right, great. Thanks. Like they'll never meet. They might not meet in person until training camp. Um, But then, yeah, of course you have the added element of he's sitting alone. the, The footage is boring. Uh, And you're like, that wasn't enough attention being paid to the number one pick. And then they cut back into the broadcast to talk about him more. And you're like, finally, he's getting his due. And they're like, no, sorry, it's a car accident. He had a car accident. So not funny, but like he doesn't get any more additional pub. It's just like, oh, there's some Trayvon Walker stuff we forgot to tell you. And that stuff is that he got in a car accident today. Okay, back to the fifth pick. Um, That doesn't exactly help his case when you're talking impact. Now, I accidentally spoke about Kenny Pickett in a positive light a couple of minutes ago. And for that, I apologize because I do feel like we have to talk about the quarterbacks in this year's draft. Now, uh, the nicest thing anybody is saying about Kenny Pickett is that he went to the Steelers, which is the best possible situation for him. And it couldn't have, like, if you mapped out an average quarterback's landing spot for the end of the first round, beginning of the second, You can't do any better than he stays home. He at least has a narrative advantage. Pit people are going to love pit people. And so he buys himself a little leeway. He might not start. But again, none of these things are first round quarterback things. Nobody's like he has this elite talent. They're just like people will be nice to him in the place where he lives. So I ask you, do you have any hopes for Kenny Pickett? Or is it just like the same kind of like his life will be fine. He'll probably have a fun year, I guess, kind of thing. My biggest hope for Kenny Pickett is that he's not going to get lost on his way to the practice facility because it's literally the same one he used the entire time he went to Pitt. I get why people are saying that Pittsburgh's a good landing spot for him, you know, stay at home, things of that nature. They have a pretty talented offense around him. But what people are forgetting is that the Steelers have not developed a half-decent quarterback the entire time Ben Roethlisberger has been on this roster. And it really calls into question how good they actually are at doing that. I mean, you got Mason Rudolph, Joshua Dobbs, and those are just recent examples. They've, you know, just like every team with a good long-term starting quarterback, they throw some darts at the dartboard in the later rounds of the draft. They pick up these QB prospects that they, you know, mold into somebody who could be competent enough to back up for their starter and then maybe flip them for a mid-round draft pick like the Patriots to bring them up again did with Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Mallett, Other people like that, even Brian Hoyer, the destroyer. The Steelers have failed to do that at all. None of the quarterbacks they drafted ever went on to do anything other than hold clipboards around the league. And I mean, Mike Tomlin is a fantastic coach. He's been there almost the entire time Ben Roethlisberger has. And nothing, nothing has happened in the quarterback room that wasn't entirely uh, from Ben Roethlisberger's natural born skill and talent. So Kenny Pickett in his tiny hands, 
probably will be an average quarterback just because, you know, the Steelers are a well-run team. It's not like he ended up going to somebody like the Lions, who historically have truly no idea what they're doing both on and off the field. But the Steelers don't exactly have a fantastic track record of developing young quarterback talent, which is why it's confusing to me that everybody's so optimistic about this pick. And it's frankly very insulting to Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, maybe they think Kenny Pickett's a wide receiver. Like, they do that well. So, theoretically, it's a transition that you could see happening. Um, But let's talk about the quarterback class as a whole very briefly, just because if you're talking bad players, and at least players who don't live up to expectations necessarily, you could do worse than talking about the quarterbacks selected in this draft. Sam Howell, a potential 1-1 from last year before the season begins, ends up going in the fifth round to the Commanders. Um, Malik obviously lands pretty deep in this whole thing. Carson Strong ends up an undrafted free agent. Um, Desmond Ritter, I mean, say what you will. Uh, you know, he he had a quote that was like, I'm not leaving this city until I bring them some playoff wins. It's like you might not have a choice there. And then obviously uh, Matt Corral going to Carolina. Um, but then you look at all the 2023 way too early mock drafts and it's like Carolina QB again. So it's like nobody has that existing faith in Matt Corral. I tried to set the over-under on career wins for this QB class. I got it set at 20 mentally. Does this QB class in its entirety win more than 20 games as NFL starters? I am going to go with yes, but it's purely a numbers game here. Um, So you got Malik Willis, Tennessee. Brian Tannehill is probably going to suffer some sort of serious injury at some point in the next two or three years because, well, he's been good about it recently. He does have glass bones, as anybody who's watched all those Miami Dolphin games of York can tell you. Obviously, you got Pickett. They like him as much as they like Trubisky, probably more. He'll get thrown in there for at least one or two seasons just because they have to. He's a first-round pick. You got Sam Howell. I mean, these guys, they, 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 they will have the opportunity to start games, and I don't think they will win games en masse, but surely through the probability um, lens, it is likely that – the five to six of them who end up with the opportunity to start double digit NFL games at one point or another will eventually amass approximately 25 to 30 wins. You're probably right. I don't want to think about it. And I hope Sam, you know what? I hope Sam Howell gets traded and pops off elsewhere. Um, But yeah, what a, just a brutal picture that we're painting here. Uh, Like I, I like the dude, the Patriots took more than I like most of these quarterbacks and I don't like these quarterbacks very much. Um, Let's see. Is there anybody else that we despise before we wrap up? I mean, I didn't like Stingley. I don't think we need to pretend that the last two years of Stingley tape don't matter. I don't think that that's somebody who like, you could just ignore all the red flags and say like, Oh, he's probably going to, you know, attain his previous level of greatness. Now that he is a Houston Texan. No, I don't think that's a fair thing to say. I didn't like Drake London going to Atlanta. I didn't like Tyler Smith going to the Cowboys. Uh, Are there any other names we're forgetting that you just look at the board and go, yeah, I straight up do not like that. I, so this from from this, I look at this particular uh, argument from two perspectives. One is the guy in me who likes to analyze football and actively critique what I perceive to be bad decisions. And then there's the hater inside, the guy who loves to hate these bad decisions and revel in the misery of the fan bases that are subjected to them. And for that reason, I would like to briefly talk about Quay Walker, linebacker, drafted 22nd overall by the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay sat there while A.J. Brown got traded for a first round pick. Green Bay had two first round picks. They sat there and they did not trade a first round pick for AJ Brown. Okay. 
not a great decision, but A.J. Brown is also made of glass and was asking for a lot of guaranteed money that the Packers wouldn't even give Devontae Adams. So you see the vision. But then they sat there as the Saints and the Lions both traded up for the bet two, arguably the two best wide receivers in this class. They continued to sit. They did not move up anywhere into the middle part of the first round where they could have maybe even gotten somebody else, some other wide receiver. Instead, they sat there and they took a linebacker after their defense gave up 13 points in the NFC divisional round playoff game against the San Francisco 49ers. I don't necessarily think Walker is a bad player. I don't think he's so good that you take him at number 22 at the expense of not giving Aaron Rodgers any weapons. But at the same time, who feels bad for Aaron Rodgers? I most certainly don't. I love to see Aaron Rodgers suffer. And so I love the pick from that angle. Go defender number one with your first overall pick. Go defender with your second overall pick, just like they did picking Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia as well, who had a history of domestic violence issues while at the university. Go with these awful picks instead of getting your Hall of Fame quarterback an elite receiver to throw to to absolutely rip everything up and maybe score more than 10 points in a playoff game. I agree with you. It's hard to disagree with you, in fact, but also, again, you will not find any sympathy for Aaron Rodgers here. This is not sympathy corner for the greatest quarterback of all time. Talent-wise, not rings-wise, not uh, anything else-wise. Just what we've been told. (laughs) What we've been told. Just what we've been told. Everybody is saying he's the greatest quarterback of all time, talent-wise, but we haven't seen it. So I I don't necessarily uh, have any sympathy for that fella, especially not now. I will let you go on this, Liam. Uh, Now... This has been 20 minutes of hating, and I think that's fine. I think that's good. I think that was goal here. I think we met our goal. We'll talk about one thing that we liked before we sign off. What pick did you despise, or what draft class did you despise? Because it's just so damn good. And I feel like there's an easy answer here for me, but is there any, is there any team's draft who you were like, just God, come, how do you do what you do? I despise this will this will make you feel good, Adam. I uh, I despise the New York Giants draft because I, I loved it. I think that Thibodeau dropping to five is really great value. I you know think that some of the concerns about him are legitimate, and if he doesn't end up a twenty sack a year guy, you know whatever. Getting a good pass rusher at number five is great, and then I love 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 Evan Neal. I think he is an absolutely tremendous prospect and is going to make a really great tackle tandem up in New York. I just think that the Giants for far too long have been avoiding building through the trenches. This argument might sound familiar to you because we have a shared boss who loves the New York Giants and mm-hmm. ran something along these lines basically every time you see him. But they, he's right. They haven't built through the trenches. They haven't drafted any really elite guys on either side of the line for the last like five to ten years. I don't know what Dave Gettleman's been smoking, but I want some of it. And now he's gone, and now they're building the right way. Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas, who knows if Daniel Jones is the guy. It's really – that's a very real question. But if you're not going to be able to find a QB answer in this draft, that you weren't going to. The Giants didn't reach for it. They picked two really good prospects who were available at just the right spots, and I hate them so much for it because it just was going to work out really, really well down the line. I love the Giants draft. I love the Jets draft. I love the grimy Ravens draft where they didn't move at all and somehow got two of the best players available in the entire draft in the first round. Now, translate what I just said to football speak. Remove the, you know, I think you can lose the Giants and Jets and the Ravens are the only ones who are going to actually bear the fruits of that labor in five years because that's how it works. The Giants and Jets draft well, so do the Ravens, and then we smash cut to the Ravens are the only one with stability. 
But I appreciate your very kind words about the New York football giants. And I do hope that all of us can move past the era of having to discuss Dave Gettleman on every podcast that has to do with the New York giants. Cause I, I sure heard a lot of Dave Gettleman stuff on the post draft recap pods because everybody just can't get their grubby little mitts off Dave Gettleman. It's been too, it's been too long. There's been too much incompetence. So everybody who, when they're told they have to talk about the giants are like, okay, sure. I will talk about them doing something good, but first, can I please just relive the Dave Gettleman era? And for far too long, there's been this unchecked. Nobody's checking these people. I want to be the watchdog on these Dave Gettleman conversations. His his reign of terror is over. And when, when Saquon Barkley leaves, there will be very little imprint of Dave Gettleman on the organization, except for Andrew Thomas and the fact that he traded down last year and allowed us to pick up Evan Neal this year. So Dave Gettleman accidentally got one lineman and gave us a chance at a second lineman. And for that, I think uh, Dave, who uh, honestly might be the worst singular executive in recent NFL history. And that is not an exaggeration. He was so bad. And now I'm doing what everybody else was doing that I just criticized them for, but my Lord, very bad at drafting. Liam McEwen, thank you so much for joining me and you hate your Patriots, but you know, they're going to be right there this fall. Don't you? Yeah, they're going to be fine, but you know what? None of the, seven guys we drafted are going to help us get there. And that's just what the beauty of the draft is waiting two to three years to see any sort of payout. That's what matters today. Thanks so much, man. Liam McEwen, everybody. The first time a self-hating Patriots fan has actually been accurate. And now my final flame. Draymond Green, punch me in the groin, slap me in the kneecaps, tase me in the ear hole. Burn my armpit hair. Close my bank account. Because your brand of frontier justice is so rare in the NBA these days and is worth an ejection every once in a while, if you ask me. Your Warriors won the opening game in Memphis after your message was delivered, didn't they? Therefore, what's the issue with Green smacking a nostril or bringing a small pair of scissors out there every once in a while? According to an interview with Draymond himself this week, the bruising forward is, quote, never gonna change. And I'm, quote, never gonna stop applauding when Draymond doinks a nutsack or pins an eye lobe to the ground. So, in conclusion, tape my ears to my hair, whistle in my ear at dog frequencies, lick my teeth with a knife, sever my skin tag, Dip my lip in hot oil. Poke the underside of my tongue. And elbow me in the orbital bone. The NBA of the 80s is officially back. My thanks to Liam McEwitt. We'll see you next Thursday with a podcast that will not be this good. I'll be coming off my bachelor party. It'll barely be coherent. And that's my promise. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.